Welcome to the Steve Reeve Podcast with the best moments from the past week and a few things that didn't make it there. Tuesday. Post-Thanksgiving, leftovers still being digested. Uh, did well. Did very, very well. You know, the, the, only, uh, the only real detriment is just, unfortunately, sometimes, even in a smaller bubble, thanks to the year of 2020, uh, you just have too much gas from your Thanksgiving meal to even be around people. Uh, there was some, definitely some situations, some scenarios like that around my uh, bubble over the weekend. The Thanksgiving farts were epic. They were. I'm not going to lie. I'm really not going to downplay it or even overplay it. They were absolutely legendary. I mean, you had the sound loud enough to hear several rooms over. You had the fury angry enough to sting more than one orifice at at a time and the never ending enough gas to displace all of the cold toilet bowl air and just keep going. That's a true story. I won't get into the details, though. Yeah, the diarrhea is coming. That is very common. Don't let the volume scare you. Wait, volume as in noise or amount? Oh, God, it's both, isn't it? Roll out the red carpet for Jerry Lee Lewis once again. The piano player rocker uh, just announced an 85th birthday live stream for October 27th, despite the fact that his birthday actually already occurred on September 29th. Uh, Elton John, Willie Nelson, Tom Jones, Joe Walsh, Leanne Womack, and several others are going to be taking part in the celebration, all hosted by John Stamos. And yes, free streaming online. Um, also, a host of Canadian acts are taking part in Avril Lavigne's Fight Lime with Avril and Friends benefit. Uh, both one Republic and young crooner Alessia Cara were uh, the most recently added names to the list, which is set for the event on October 24th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, and it's a benefit online live stream to help out Avril Lavigne's foundation as well as the Global Lyme Alliance, obviously, in the fight against Lyme disease and to raise money, of course, for some research involved in that disease and treatment and cure and quality of life and all of those good things. You're listening to the Steve Reeve Podcast from 100.5 Cruise FM. There is a bunker that has been everlasting since the Cold War era in Nova Scotia that uh, has uh, has gotten some attention of late because the internet is trying to help out with cracking the code to a safe combination within the bunker that likely hasn't been open since the 1990s. Um, here's the full story. Uh, I find this totally fascinating, but apparently a uh, bunker created during Cold War era years and years and years ago, bought out from the military in like 2000 uh, and then 2012, bought by a private person who then seven years later in early 2019 opened it up as like escape rooms with laser tag and a birthday party room. Must be a very big bunker, right? In fact, they call it Diefenbunker. That's probably my favorite fact for the whole uh, scenario. But now, because of COVID, they have not been allowed to have people come in. The general public not in there. So the staff has gone online to try and uh, keep people interested, keep people entertained, uh, maybe turn a little profit if possible. I'm not exactly sure what their whole business model is, but they've been showing off the bunker from the inside online, including trying to open up this safe and uh, it has gotten to the point where they have tried about 400 different combinations given by people on the internet see oh is this going to be the one that clicks it open we don't even know what's in there could be documents could be nothing could be a body who knows right no idea 400 seems like a lot until you realize that this particular safe combination has a million different possibilities so I don't think it's going to get open anytime soon but still if anybody does have any idea of what that code might be maybe in an old journal maybe you've been there before we've got a lot of people from the east coast in Fort McMurray I'm just saying uh, there is an offering of a thousand dollar reward for the combination that does in fact open up the safe I'd say, hey, can I add in a trade-in option if the contents of the safe are better slash worth more than $1,000? Because if so, 
I might try to figure this thing out. Wednesday. Because of a meme shared by the Henpecked Hal account on Twitter, uh, worth a follow in my opinion, but uh, this was just basically a story of the, the poster's 20-year-old cousin getting a place in their own for the first time and asking, hey, why do I clean the oven every time I use it? It's like, oh, uh, well, what, what about the baking sheet? Are you using a baking sheet? What do you mean baking sheet? There's a grill right in the oven. You go, no, it's not like a barbecue. It doesn't work the same way. You got to learn that, and you've learned it the hard way. Question was, what have you learned the hard way? And we got some interesting answers. Veronica says, how to allow her dad to put eye drops in as a young kid. Basically, the rule was we do this the easy way or the hard way. You had to learn the hard way. <laughs> and uh, Harriet says, uh, you know, well, she, I mean, she doesn't have a story, but she says it's not surprising, um, uh, you know, that uh, they were using the oven in such a uh, boneheaded manner. Says when she did go to university, the fire alarm uh, went off and they had to evacuate during frost week because somebody had put an electric kettle on the stove. So, I mean, similar, similar. You don't really, doesn't really work the same uh, way. And uh, Pat saying pretty much everything in his life, thanks to guidance from his sister-in-law, became an expert in laundry and cooking in a hurry. Uh, I wonder what the hard way part of that was. Probably a ruined meal or two, I would imagine. A shrunken shirt, pink t-shirt like Homer Simpson. And that's the impression that you get. I, until I had upgraded my phone uh, to a larger, more capable version, uh, and and c convincing myself, you know, self-justifying, being like, it's for work, it's for professional reasons, it's not just a personal toy. Um, yeah, right. Uh, but still, I managed to upgrade after having for years an outdated device that was too small, and I know it was too small because any time for years, I swear, like two years straight, I would bring this phone out and be like, hey, you need to see this meme, you need to watch this video, I need to show you this thing. I'd be like, oh, oh, that's a pretty small phone. That's a pretty small screen to be sharing people things on. Oh, where's the rest of that? And I'm like, I don't care about this, the, the, the iPhone being a representation of my coolness that's in my pocket. I don't care about that aspect. I just want something that's going to be functional. But so it was always a surprise. I didn't realize that this was so much of an important thing. You need to have a big screened phone. And it makes sense. Phones didn't have video screens on them for the longest time. And they kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller until like early 2000s. It was a joke on SNL when they did the Metrosexuals at Jeffrey's bit and Will Ferrell brings out his tiny little cell phone to call someone. It was a gag. They were getting too small. And then video screens. Oh, you actually have to be able to see your screen. Let's get them bigger, bigger, bigger. Now we've come full stupid circle and we're making phones smaller again and I just can't keep up nor do I want to. Hey Alexa, play the Steve Reeve podcast. Stevie Wonder. He is releasing new music. Well, technically, he did yesterday, and it's the first in about 15 years. The 70-year-old music legend released two tracks, one called Can't Put It in the Hands of Fate that he says he's been brewing on for a few years, and amazingly, a song titled Where Is uh, Our Love Song, which he says he started writing when he was 18 years old back in 1968. Completely unearthed it, finished it, added new lyrics, cut the track, Gary Clark Jr. on guitar, Proceeds from the song sales helping Feeding America as well, which they need like one billion dollars to help out with the families in America alone. Uh, and so, you know, uh, if you want to buy that one, it's going to be helping out with a good cause in just a little way. Uh, Billboard Awards are tonight as well, hosted for the third time by Kelly Clarkson, but for the first time without any audience members whatsoever. Hubie Halloween has brought up the possibility of an, uh, an Adam Sandler cinematic universe. Uh, there were already a lot of connections within the Sandler movies to each other. I mean, A, all of his friends are in every single one of them. Um, B, every single love interest within those movies has had a double V initials. Veronica Vaughn, Violet Valentine, and the latest one. 
the list goes on. But now there's a Ben Stiller cameo reprising a role that he had in another Adam Sandler movie within Hubie Halloween. Not that I've watched, but I've heard that I have to watch for this uh, cameo in and of itself. And then there's also even a redheaded bully with the name o- O'Doyle, straight out of Billy Madison, right? Must be like a descendant or something uh, of that family chain. Uh, when asked by Yahoo News about bringing together an Avengers-style team-up inside the Sandlerverse of all the different characters, uh, he said, we're doing it. But then joked it would probably be like 35 more years before he's actually ready to. It's understandable. What's even crazier, though, is the Simon Cowell shared cinematic universe, as pointed out by TikToker Fake Disney Facts. It's time to talk about the Simon Cowell Cinematic Universe. As we all know, Simon Cowell is part of the Shrek universe because of the Far, Far Away Idol movie. So Shrek goes on the list. Simon Cowell is also a character in the new Scooby-Doo movie, Scoob, which puts him part of the Scooby-Doo universe. Simon Cowell is also a part of whatever Bratz cartoon this is, so that puts the Bratz universe in the same universe as Shrek and Scooby-Doo. Now this is where it gets interesting. Because of the game DreamWorks Superstar Karts, we can now add Monsters vs. Aliens, How to Train Your Dragon, and Madagascar to the universe. We also know that Shrek attended the 2002 Oscars along with Mike and Sully and Jimmy Neutron, so we can add them both to the list. Jimmy Neutron crossed over with the Fairly Odd Parents who crossed over with Danny Phantom, Tough Puppy, and whatever that is, so add them all to the list. Now let's talk about Scooby-Doo. As if Scooby-Doo doesn't have the most crossovers of any property in the history, so that means everything within there, including the Supernatural universe most recently, is now a part of the Simon Cowell universe. Weird, right? Thursday. A uh, 11-year-old boy on a 45-minute chase through town. Uh, It's because he got behind the wheel of uh, the the school bus and went on a little bit of a joyride. Even uh, cops, you know, chasing after and everything. Like, looks like something straight up out of, like, the Blues Brothers with how many police vehicles were involved in this. But honestly, legitimately good reason for it. I mean, this is a child uh, who is putting himself in a dangerous position for sure. I've never been in so much trouble. I've never once decided to take a vehicle that wasn't mine, even if it, like, belonged to, you know, mom and pop, and you just bring it to the grocery store or the convenience store down the way. Never once ever did that. Anytime I was handed the keys, it was all full well known about. However, you know, I've been in trouble as a kid. Uh, you know, there's there's been things, but nothing even close to this. I'm wondering, have you ever been in hot water like this? <laughs> like, stealing a school bus at 11 years old? Hot water? I'm not quite sure the kid even knew exactly what he was doing, but the officers do say that he was taunting and flipping off the officers as he gave chase, and eventually the reason that the bus came to a stop was, he, well, a tree helped with the stopping process. A tree helped those, those school bus brakes work, if you know what I mean. In Louisiana, an 11-year-old boy grabbed the wheels of a school bus and went on a 45-minute joyride, acting a fool, and then eventually coming to a stop without anybody getting injured, thankfully. I have never been in so much trouble as a kid. Never, 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 never. Not even close. And I have been in trouble for sure. Dennis on the line. Uh, Dennis, I think the menace. What's your story? Oh, I was way younger than that. I think I was about seven. My older brother, we were playing around, hiding in some bushes and stuff, and we see the mailman park his mail truck. Oh, no, yeah. And walk down the street to deliver the mail. And he left the mail truck running, so my older brother was like, hey, why don't you go drive it? And I'm like, hey, sounds like a good idea. (laughs) Why not? Yeah, so I hopped in it, stuffed her in gear, and, well, at seven years old, you don't really know how to drive, so I went about a block before she went in the ditch. (laughs) Was the delivery person just, like, running behind you, basically? Oh, yeah. I can't remember what he looked like. He was 
kind of like a short, fat little dude. Of course, I jump out and run away. And what does my older brother do? My brother runs home <laughs> and says to my mom, you should have seen the fat little mailman run. I'm like, what would possess you to do that? I know. Like, well, almost, wait a minute here. Away. <laughs> Pump the brakes here, Benedict Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom's like, oh, my God, where's your brother? <laughs> Up to no good is where he was. And uh, I feel I feel for the mailman. That's not cool. Although, word of the wise, never, ever, ever step away from your vehicle with the keys in the ignition. I think we should all learn that lesson right now. Wayne Coyne and the Flaming Lips took COVID bubbles literally at the first of their pandemic-protected live concerts last night. Every band member and member of the audience fully enclosed in their own plastic bubble for the duration of the show. Some concerns do arise when asking questions like, but what if there was a fire? Uh, but it is nonetheless a very cool concert that fits right in with the Flaming Lips style. Honestly, without a pandemic, I could still see it kind of being their jam. Uh, meanwhile, promoters of a Chainsmokers concert from the summertime in New York has caused fines to come their way in the tune of $20,000. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has announced this penalty after an investigation into a charity event in July where the chain smokers uh, put on a concert and attendees were completely ignoring COVID safety protocols. It has come to bite some folks in the butt. Thanks for listening to the Steve Reeve Podcast from 100.5 Cruise FM. Getting into the Halloween spirit. It's halfway through the month already. We're almost there. we got to get ready for a weird year. Uh, and uh, to do that, I've got Trick or Yeet in the studio here. Yeet being the term for a throw with purpose. To throw distantly. And that is the main thing, right? Keeping the distance. Uh, so in Trick or Yeet, we've got three skill testing stations set up. And I'm going to do a run through before the show is done. Just to see how effective each method is and how possible. It is first being the bucket toss. Pretty simple stuff. Had the tape measure out. You get a measure of six feet or more, and then you use some tongs to throw some candy or some fun size chip bags into a bucket at safe distance, right? Sink five of those fun size candies and three fun size chip bags in the bucket, and you get to move on to station number two, which is the windy slide divide. Using a candy slide, it's going to uh, have to be passed through, candy passed through the slide, past a wind hazard representing the potential outside wind on Halloween night, and into a basket set on the ground. We don't quite have a six foot tube. You could get one, but we've just got the basket set down in the drop zone for ease and for safe distance purposes. Then finally, my favorite station. After you land 10 candies with the windy slime divide, you move on to the candy catapult. Sink five fun-sized candies into a reusable bag at at least a two-meter distance using the candy catapult constructed from popsicle sticks, pieces of wood, a straw, and a cut-off bottom of a red Solo cup to be the catapult cup. Um, basically, it's incredible, and it actually really does yeet the candy pretty far. So I think with this apparatus, which was constructed with some hot glue in about 30 minutes last night, uh, I think you could be well prepared for Halloween candy distribution this year. But we'll put it all to the test. Has your kid ever been creepy? Been watching a lot of horror movies through the month of October, and uh, and a key feature of a lot of them is creepy, creepy, creepy kids. I'll, I mean, just go ahead and watch. Just about any one of them has some sort of creepy kid in there, if not central to the plot. Uh, but Corinne got in touch and said, when her kid was four and told her brand new babysitter, uh, a friend's kid who was doing her first ever babysitting job, that there were dead kids in our basement, uh, that, that little babysitter noped out of there super quickly. I can't say that I blamed her. Uh, Chantel says her daughter had an imaginary puppy named Sarah once she could speak. So one evening, when her daughter was around two and a half years old, 
chatting with me, and out of nowhere, she mentions that her dog, Sarah, lived in hell. So she asks her to repeat herself a couple of times. Then she frantically calls for the hubby and says, hey, hey, listen to this. Says, yeah, no, lives in hell, in hell. Husband and wife discussed how they have never made mention of hell before. And she's likely never seen anything on TV about it, so logically they ask her to explain where they got the concept, right? Uh, gestured with her arms and hands and said, it's big and like this, and there are rocks falling, and she lives in there, in hell. Uh, and uh, they believe that maybe she was thinking about the word hill. That's what hubby is telling himself. Chantel says she still doesn't buy it and isn't very impressed with the fact that there's a demon dog from hell walking around in her child's subconscious. Understandable! Some rumors that came out through the week that there are two previous Spider-Men who have signed on for the next Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, specifically. The first main live-action one, Sam Raimi, putting it out there. Uh, you've got Tobey Maguire. And then Andrew Garfield in the Amazing Spider-Man reboot. When that was on, people were already going, okay, we've had, we just had some Spider-Man. Why are you rebooting Spider-Man? And it was like, well, technically, it's actually from a different universe of the comic book, so it's not a reboot, it's just a different blah, blah, blah. We had enough of Spider-Man. And then Tom Holland came out, and we went, okay, enough, people, please. That's too much Spider-Man. Too many reboots in one decade. And then we saw it, and we went, okay, Tom can stay. He's pretty great. Um, and he's made two standalone Spider-Man movies inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now a third one coming out at some point next year, or at least it looks like it will be. There's been a lot of date changes, but so far it says 2021. Uh, but the word is that this is going to open up a multiverse situation. Doctor Strange is confirmed. And then Electro, as played by Jamie Foxx from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Andrew Garfield, is also confirmed. So you're like, hang on. Are there some weird universe crossovers going on? Possibly. Possibly. Nothing has been totally confirmed. But get this. There are currently 23 movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if you have this next Spider-Man one... That is going to introduce five previous Spider-Man movies into the MCU, six counting the movie itself, seven if Venom is introduced, eight if you count Into the Spider-Verse as tying in, which I kind of think it will, so 31 movies. Then also by that time that this movie comes out, we will already have seen Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and Eternals, so there'll be 30, 34 movies, not to mention all the TV shows, including WandaVision, which premieres in December. Holy cow. Friday. There's a bit of a, a weird battle going on with electric cars, really between two different companies who are making a ton of money. Tesla versus this other company that's kind of come out of uh, out of the woodworks and is selling their vehicle at an undercut price for Tesla. Uh, they're not even going to be into production for like two more years, so you're never even going to see this vehicle, it feels like. Whereas, at least with Tesla, you might be able to. Uh, as far as charging stations around here, not that many to go. But here's the actual part I wanted to get to. Elon Musk, the... The, the self-proclaimed Tony Stark of Tesla, uh, he says that the gauntlet has been thrown down in reference to the price war. The prophecy will be fulfilled. I'm not even sure what that is, means, what he's talking about. That's, that's just Elon Musk stuff. But the Model S price has been changed to 69420 to undercut the 69900 price posted by the other guys. <laughs> Get it? Because 69,420? Oh, except for that's not that funny in Canada, because when you do the conversion, it's more like $91,000. There you go. Got my mental math going. <laughs> Still too rich for me either way. Of course, there's no actual active zones because there's no snow to clear, and then, you know, there'll be updates whenever it does become active. But again, one day a week on your block, pay attention to those signs. Not going to be able to park there on that day, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Here's the change, though, this year. There's been a lot of complaints over the last several years 
of uh, windrows. The so-called windrows, the, the, the icy, uh, speed-bumpy things that are left behind, oftentimes, like, right at the edge of a lot of driveways. And that stuff, I mean, if not addressed immediately, can, like, refreeze into formation and become just so much harder. So much harder for a, a, a strong, uh, youthful person to be able to tackle, let alone somebody who might have a little bit more of a struggle with that in life, right? So they say now that they are going to be removing those windrows if they reach a height of 15 centimeters or higher. Uh, they'll be removed at the end of driveways by the snow plows. I'm so glad to hear about this. You know, I mean, I gotta say, like, uh, much obliged. It's a big kindness, especially seeing as leaving a chunky speed bump of slick or slushy, high-centering snow-ice hybrid to block people in or out of their driveways is completely counterintuitive to the task of clearing roads for safety and ease of access. So I'm really glad that this feedback got through. And honestly, I'm dunking just a little bit here, but like, shout out to the workers. Not an easy job. Sometimes it's a lot of hurry up and wait depending on the weather. And it's super, super thankless. So hey, thanks. Oasis Wonderwall hitting a milestone. One billion streams on Spotify. First 90s song to do it. Nearly 25 years to the day after that song was released in October of 95. But I don't know if that's the best song of the 90s. So I went scouring out. I couldn't figure out for myself or I couldn't decide. So I just wanted to look at a few different outlets. Rolling Stone magazine of their 50 best songs of the 90s. They got Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, in the number one spot. I mean, you know it, you love it, and yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue. That's a pretty solid track for the 90s. Then Billboard magazine, they say this track. Because it's so smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. Okay, okay, okay. I can see the argument for that. Then you got some slightly stranger ones, although they really do have a 90s vibe to them. Pitchfork Media says that the number one song of the 90s, from 1994, the band Pavement, the song Gold Sounds. I keep my some like you know pretty modest mouse vibes maybe there's even a, a musical connection there that i just don't even know about so don't don't at me if i if i <laughs> i'm like talking about a band that has two members or, or two different bands with the same member between them um then moving over to nme which is all kinds of music entertainment right uh, new music entertainment i think is what it stands for uh, but pulp common people they're saying is the number one song in the 90s i didn't even remember this song until i pressed play on the music video Uh, yeah, okay, I remember it, but uh, if you can barely remember it, is it the top song of the entire decade? Yeah, I don't know about that. They do have Smells Like Teen Spirit in the number two spot, though, so it kind of seems like they were just trying to be edgy, be like, here's a safe one, and then here's one that isn't quite so safe, so we can be like, oh, we don't have the same number one as everybody else, which is actually pretty 90s of them. You're listening to the Steve Reed Podcast from 100.5 Cruise FM. Spaghetti Western fans know the music of Ennio Morricone. The celebrated composer died in early July of this year, and now the first posthumous collection will focus on his work spanning from the late 60s to the early 80s. Titled Morricone Segreto, uh, it's going to feature seven unreleased tracks, presumably so that Quentin Tarantino has something to put on the soundtrack of his next movie. So thank you so much for that. Um, the first single from Lana Del Rey's next album has 
has been released. It's a ballad called Let Me Love You Like a Woman. Uh, the upcoming album is titled Chemtrails Over the Country Club, uh, which was announced in the spring with a release date of September 5th, which arrived with no release. And still, there's no actual new release date given, even though the song has been put out there into the Internet. So I guess probably soon. Likely in time to put in a stocking for the holidays. And that's it for Music News this morning. A lot of variety in the movies that we've been watching for Halloween this year. Uh, the month-long marathon of movies leads us to Candyman today from 1992. Now, I know there is the new Candyman that was actually supposed to be out this year. And now I didn't see like an exact date, but I do believe around Halloween probably would have been the perfect time for it to release. So unfortunately, the new one can't be uh, added to the list. But... It is coming out next year, and I mean, by all rights, it should probably be done by now. It's just a matter of moving it to a time when they could actually get a full audience in there. Hopefully not all the way to next Halloween, though. Uh, the trailer looks amazing and is indicating indicating it's kind of like a direct sequel but you know years and years later than the first one i never did really watch the follow-ups the sequels to it but i there this was a, a force in my household growing up to the point where my older siblings would force me in front of the mirror to say candy man well candy man he's gonna come for me uh i loved it though i mean it was the best and just a really really powerful movie tony todd in the title role making us all creeped out and that's i think exactly what got him the role of Bloodworth in the Final Destination series. Here's a taste of the trailer. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Poor Candyman. That's such a grindhouse trailer delivery. It's so fantastic. Um, and uh, cannot wait to watch it today. Cannot wait to watch the sequel. Uh, when it comes out, whenever that is, written by Jordan Peele, as well as a few friends, and directed by Nia DaCosta, it's going to be crazy. Transmission over. Want more Steve? New podcast episodes happen every Friday, or just tune into the Steve Reeve Show. Weekday mornings starting at 5.30 a.m. on 100.5 Cruise FM.